What is worse than meeting a massive grizzly bear in the middle of the forest? I want you to imagine that. What is worse than meeting a massive grizzly bear in the middle of the forest? I'll tell you what's worse. Meeting a cute little cuddly grizzly bear cub is worse. Why? Why is that worse? Because if you come upon a massive grizzly bear in the woods, I'm told, it's never happened to me, thankfully, but if you come upon a massive grizzly bear, chances are you should be able to back away quietly, and he will just go on about his business. But if you come across a grizzly bear cub, uh, mama grizzly bear ain't playing no games. Uh, Mama Grizzly Bear is not far away, and she will consider you a threat, and she will attack you. I'm told that 70% of Grizzly Bear attacks are a mother protecting her cubs. You will not get in the way of that relationship. You will not get in the way of that relationship between Mama Bear and her babies. And I know that's true for some of you mama bears out there too. Amen? All right. Today we're talking about whatever is just. And I want to start out by saying the definition of justice, okay? And this is my definition from my study this week. Justice is about right relationships. Justice is about right relationships relationships. We're going to talk about that, explain that a little bit. We've been going through a a series of sermons called Whatever. And in this series, we've been exploring how we can grow in godly character, how we can grow as followers of Jesus. Because as followers of Jesus, God gives us grace to think about and put into practice the characteristics that are listed in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and worthy of praise. And as we've been looking at these virtues, we we see most of all that Jesus himself, the Son of God, is the embodiment of all eight of these virtues. He's the embodiment of all eight of these virtues, so we're looking to Him. Just like we just sang, we're looking to Jesus to see what does this look like to be just? What does this look like to be true and honorable and worthy of praise? We look to Jesus, and we've been doing that by reading through sections of the Gospel of John. And so if you have a Bible, or if you have a phone with a Bible, go ahead and open that up. Turn to John, the Gospel of John. There's also a book called 1 John and a book called 2 John and 3 John. This is the one that doesn't have a number in front of it, just John. So turn to John chapter 2, and I'm going to read our passage for this morning, verses 13 through 22. I'll give you just a second to get there. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22, and it will be printed on the screen behind me. 
This is God's word. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and he overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. (laughs) The Jews said, laughing, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Justice is about right relationships. You see, Jesus is taking a stand for what's right here. But not only that, he's he's driving away those who would get in the way of a right relationship with God. See, he's actually making a path, a just path for a right relationship with God. With God. Let's break this story down, all right? Start back in verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. See, in the story, this is the beginning of the book of John. Jesus had a fresh band of disciples, his new, his new set of followers, and this included some of his family, too. And they were tight, they were close. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about his first miracle where he turned water at a wedding into wine so that the the feast could keep on going for all seven days. And so following that, he and his disciples go down to a small town called Capernaum and then they go up to Jerusalem, which was actually south, but geographically it was up because they were going uphill. To Jerusalem. His disciples, uh, no doubt, were excited to see what Jesus was going to do next. I mean, somebody who can turn water into wine and keep the party going is going to do something incredible next, right? I don't think they were expecting what happened. What's the backdrop to this story? The Passover, right? The scripture here says that the Passover of the Jews was at hand. So this means it was around the end of March. When the Jewish believers from all over the world would travel to Jerusalem to worship God at the Passover feast. Do you remember the Passover? Do you remember the story from the Old Testament? Some of you may remember that. Some of you don't, don't, don't know the story. So let me give you a, a quick history lesson. Going all the way back to the book of Exodus, we read about a time when God's people were in slavery. They were all in slavery in the land of Egypt. 
And this wasn't a light slavery. This was a hard slavery. This was a forced slavery. This was a wicked and evil slavery. And so God raised up a deliverer named Moses. And Moses didn't want to. He felt like he, could, he didn't have what it took. But God said, no, you're right. You don't have what it takes, but I have what it takes. And so God sent Moses before Pharaoh, and he sent him to take a stand for justice. To take a stand for what is going to, pro- to produce a right relationship. In Exodus chapter 5, verse 1, we read Moses' words before Pharaoh, the king of the earth. And and, and Moses says to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people... Let my people... And you may not know what follows that, but he says, That we may hold a feast to the Lord in the wilderness... He says, let my people go, not just so we can be free, but so that we can worship our God. You see, there was a purpose for God letting the people of Israel go from slavery. And the purpose was that they may hold a feast to their God. Isn't that interesting? The whole purpose of it was that they could hold a feast so that they could go out and devote themselves wholly to God in worship. That they could be free, yes, free to worship God. To worship God without chains. To worship God in freedom. To see what God, how God would reveal Himself. God wanted His people to be restored to Him. To be brought back into a right relationship with Him. And that required justice. That required justice. One thing stood in the way, the Pharaoh. One thing stood in the way. Pharaoh was not going to give up his free labor voluntarily. Pharaoh was not going to give up his free labor voluntarily. So God sent Mama Bear. God sent Mama Bear to deliver the Israelites from the hand of Pharaoh by sending these ten plagues on Egypt. Some of you will remember the locusts and the frogs and the darkness and the water turning into blood, not wine. Remember what God had to do to get Pharaoh to let those people go so that they might be brought into a right relationship with him? And the number 10 sign, the final sign, was the Passover. The final sign was the Passover because in one night God was going to send the angel of death to sweep across the land of Egypt. And in an act of judgment, to kill the firstborn of every household. It was a terrible night of destruction and death of justice on display. God's righteous anger against those who would stand in the way of His people having a right relationship with Him. Justice is about right relationships. It's not just anger for anger's sake. It's about bringing about wholeness. It's about bringing about restoration 
It's about bringing about right relationships. But it's not all bad news. No, because if you know the story of Passover, God made a way for everyone who believed in Him, including even some of the Egyptians, if they believed, that they would be able to take a lamb without blemish, a year-old male, and sacrifice this lamb as an offering. To take some of the blood, and do you remember what they had to do with the blood? They had to paint the blood on the, the doorpost and on the lintel of the house. And this blood would stand as a sign of faith. This blood would stand as a sign of faith. And God promised that for every house with blood on the door, He would what? He would pass over. And so for generation after generation, this redemption that ultimately led to the liberation of Egypt, I mean the liberation of of His people from Egypt, They celebrated this every year. And people gathered from all over the world to come to Jerusalem and celebrate this victory of God at Passover. God's mercy at Passover. And everybody brought with them an offering. Look again at verse 14. John chapter 2, verse 14. In the temple, Jesus found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. You see, when Jesus walked into the temple, it was the place where God's special presence resided in the Holy of Holies, the innermost room of the temple. After God delivered His people from Egypt, He sent them out. And what, was, what were they going out to do? To praise Him, to worship Him, right? Right? He sent them out to worship Him, and what He he instructed them to do was to build a large tent called a tabernacle. And, And they set up this big tent, and God said, this will be my special place where I will come and dwell with you on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, you get the image? There's this big tent. God's going to come and have a special place to dwell with His people. And then later, as the people came into the promised land, they built a permanent structure that they called a temple. And this is the place, the special place where God would come and dwell with His people, where He would would cultivate this right relationship with them. And so by bringing a sacrifice, every worshiper was saying, I deserve the death because of my sins. But I have a substitute. (laughs) I have a substitute. And y'all, it was bloody. It was, they brought these animals in and they sacrificed these animals. It was this, this visceral picture of the consequences of sin. I mean, we've seen it this week. Thank God no one died on Wednesday. But sin has deathly consequences sometimes. And God's just being real about that. Okay? He's saying, this is what sin produces. Death. And sometimes we come face to face with it in our lives. But for the Jewish people, every time they went into the temple, they came face to face with death. With the consequence, the penalty of sin that sin brings. And God says, you don't have to die. But but this lamb will die in your place. You don't have to die, but this lamb will die in your place. And so by bringing this offering Their sins were atoned for. That means they were covered over. They were forgiven. 
so that they could enjoy a right relationship with God, so that the guilt wasn't there anymore, the shame wasn't there anymore, and they could go into the temple, offer their sacrifice, and then give praise to God. They could go and they could offer prayers to God in the temple, having their sins forgiven. Now there's nothing in between me and God. There's this wonderful relationship I can enjoy. That was the feast of Passover. That's what it was supposed to be like. But travelers to Jerusalem from all around the world often found it difficult to bring an offering from their own personal livestock. They often found it difficult to travel such a great distance. And so around Jerusalem, local entrepreneurs, how many entrepreneurs do we have here today? I know we got a few. Local entrepreneurs, they said, hey, here's a business opportunity. And so they made the animals available for purchase when people got into town. Hey, you don't have to bring an animal. Here's one for you. Just pay me and I'll give you the animal and you're good to go. And there was nothing wrong with that. Originally, they did this across the Kidron Valley over on the Mount of Olives, away from the town. They set up a market over there. But, but over time, the market got closer and closer and closer to Jerusalem. And then in the city of Jerusalem. And then by the time Jesus is there, the market is actually in the temple. They've taken the market from way out from outside to inside to right there inside the temple. There were a variety of animals to fit any budget, oxen, sheep, pigeons. Pigeons were for the poor. Jesus' family brought pigeons when he was little. I don't know if you remember that in Luke. It talks about Jesus' family bringing pigeons. But now this entire commercial enterprise to help people, it was designed to help people, had taken over. And at some point, the temple officials, I think, wanted to get a piece of that pie because of corruption And so they brought these businesses right into the temple courts. And they sold spaces in the temple to the highest bidder. They were making money off of this deal. They brought in the money changers. Because people were coming from all over the world and they had to convert the currency to the temple coin. I want you to imagine the New York Stock Exchange. I can't even say that word. The New York Stock Exchange. Imagine the New York Stock Exchange. You got the image? Okay, now imagine a petting zoo moves in. All right, that is the image of what's happening inside the temple. It's a big room like this, and there's vendors everywhere. There's uh, smelly people, uh, smelly animals. It's chaos. It was impossible for the worshipers to actually worship God under these circumstances. Enter Jesus. Look with me at verse 15. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sell pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Justice is about right relationships. Jesus 
did not waste any time. He grabbed some cords and began driving the animals out of the temple where God's people were supposed to be free to worship Him. You see, something was getting in the way of the relationship between God and His people. And so justice was demanded. Jesus said, take these things away. Do not make my Father's house into a house of trade. You know, some of us are surprised to see this side of Jesus. <laughs> Turning over tables and driving out the animals. But you know, it fits perfectly with what we know about His mission his mission was to bring people back into a right relationship with God. And so this fit in perfectly with his mission. He came to do what is just. Like Moses, Jesus came to deliver God's people from bondage to, to slavery and whatever it was that kept them from being worshipers, from being with God. Justice is about right relationships. A right relationship with God. That's the vertical. But you know there's another dimension to this story. The temple was not just a place where individuals came to worship God vertically, but it was also a place where people came together horizontally. I have a picture of the temple from that time period. I hope that I can get up on the screen. And it's kind of small, but you can see there's this huge court outside. And then there's smaller court and a smaller court. The temple was made up of a series of expanding courts and rooms. The innermost room was the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah glory of God appeared behind this massive curtain. The special presence of God with His people. Next, the holy place where the priests would come and bring the sacrifices, the burn incense. Then the court of the Jewish people where ethnic Israel would come to worship. And then outside of that, the court of the Gentiles. A place designated by God for people from every nation to come and worship God. This outer court, the court of the Gentiles, that is where the market had taken over. It wasn't in the inner circle. It wasn't in there where the Jewish people, the ethnic Jews, it wasn't where they were. It was where the foreigners were supposed to be worshiping. See, the court... The court of the Gentiles was where people from all nations could come and seek God. The God of Israel. So no wonder nobody did anything about this. Because it didn't affect most of the people. It didn't affect the ethnic Jews who were there. Because their special place of worship was behind another wall. But it affected people from around the world. Their convenience and their financial gain were more important than the worship of foreigners. You see, this not only has a, a vertical dimension, but it has a, a horizontal dimension. Justice is not just about a right relationship with God. It's also about right relationships with other people, with one another. 
like Pharaoh, the religious leaders did not want to let go of their power willingly. And so we read from verse 18. So Jesus said to him, so the, so the Jews, the Jewish leaders said to Jesus, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Like Pharaoh, the Jewish leaders needed a sign. They needed a sign. They needed to be forced to do justly. But Jesus wasn't going to play their game. He wasn't going to give them a magic trick. He wasn't going to try to impress them. He went straight to the main point. He went straight to the main point. He said, destroy this temple. Destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. He wasn't talking about this physical edifice. He wasn't talking about the temple that Herod the Great had, had raised to, to pacify the people. No, he was talking about the temple of his own body. He was talking about the temple that was a lamb without blemish. He was talking about the temple that was God in the flesh. Who came into the temple and saw the injustice the breakdown of the relationship with God and the breakdown of the relationship amongst people and who went and drove out the animals and said, do not turn this house into a marketplace. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't see that He was the one that this Passover thing had been pointing to for generations. Everything was pointing to Him. He would be the one to make a way for all people to be brought back into a right relationship with God. In His life, in His death, and in His resurrection, He would be the one who would set them free from their bondage to sin and to worship God in spirit and truth. He is the temple. He is God's special presence on earth. And he came into this temple and he said, tear it all down. And you know what? That's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. It took them a few years. But on the cross of Calvary, they tore down the temple. They destroyed him. They murdered him. And his blood was was shed. The greatest injustice the world would ever see was Jesus, the Son of God, the innocent, whose life was given as an atonement for those of us who are guilty. It was injustice and it was justice. And for everyone who believes in Him, for everyone who trusts in His name, God will take His life and and cover you with it so that when we come into God's presence... And we bring all of our baggage. We bring all of our failures to love. We bring 
a Savior who not only died for us, but rose on the third day. For, uh, he rose on the third day for us so that now He lives for us and He intercedes for us now. And so when you come to God, you can have a right relationship with God because Jesus paid it all. All of your sin, all of your guilt is taken away. You can trust that. You can trust Him. He performed what is just so that we could be brought into a right relationship with God. So what difference does that make in our lives? I hope it makes a lot of difference. I hope it makes a lot of difference in how we think about God, how we approach God, how we think about justice, that justice is not just something we do, but it's about bringing relation, making relationships possible, bringing people into right relationship, first of all, with God, and then with other people, with one another. And so how do we grow in what is just? Two quick ideas. The first one is that we should stand up for a right relationship with God. I want, I want you to ask yourself, what are the things like that market that have crept into your heart that are crowding out your relationship with God? What are the things that, that you've decided are a higher priority? What are the things that you've decided uh, are, are too much of an inconvenience? And those things are driving you away from God. Like the, like the crowd, like the, like the animals, like the pigeons, like the money changers. God wants us to take an inventory of our lives and to turn over some tables. Because God longs to, to, to have justice, to have a restored relationship with us individually. And so, but that means that we, gotta, we might have to do some some shoveling, right? We might have to do some turning over tables in our own lives. And, and, and that's the vertical relationship. What about the horizontal? God wants us not only to stand up for a right relationship with Him, but also to stand up for a right relationship with others. Because I tell you, nothing ticked these people off more than Jesus standing up for outsiders. I mean, they could have understood if He was standing up for them. But he was standing up for the people who, who were outcast. He was standing up for the people who were, who were sojourners coming from afar. That's who he was standing up for. And so Jesus wants us to apply this by standing up for right relationship with other people. And we do that in a lot of different ways. When you see a breakdown in relationship, maybe it's, with, uh, maybe it's in school, you see people not getting along. God sent you, okay, to go into that situation and, and to somehow speak into that. To comfort those who are hurt and to speak truth to those who are doing wrong. That's what Jesus did, right? He, he spoke the truth and he drove out the distraction. And God wants us to do the same because what? He's making space for people to come and be right with God. To come into God's house from all over the world. Stand up for a right relationship with others. Speak up. Lay down your privileges and your comfort. Take a risk. Turn over tables if you must. And I'm preaching to myself 
Because there are opportunities for each of us in little ways and in big ways to do what is just. To apply what Jesus did for us for others. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this good news. Thank you that Jesus came to do what is just. That he came to restore us to a right relationship with you and with one another. And Lord, I pray that you would send us out as your disciples. That we would, look, that we would have eyes to see broken relationships that need to be mended that we would be able to direct people, first of all, to your grace and your openness and your willingness to receive any who would come to you. Lord, I pray we would always be directing people to you. And then that we would begin to heal the things that are broken on this horizontal plane. Lord, we pray that you would heal what is broken in our schools. That is heavy on our heart this week. We pray that you would help us to point people to what's just. Right here in our schools. Right here in our families. Right here in our church. Lord, use us. Fill us to do what is just. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.